Hormone Harmony is a supplement for women of all ages and all stages of menopause. And it's become a phenomenon. I hear that a bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. Hormone Harmony is by Happy Mammoth, the company dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients like herbal extracts called adaptogens. They help the body adapt to stressors, including hormonal changes that naturally occur throughout a woman's lifetime. They can help alleviate hot flashes, night sweats, and that feeling of being tired all the time. The biggest benefit, feeling like yourself again. That's what women mention over and over in the more than 17,000 reviews for Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code DATINGWALLGRAY at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code DATINGWALLGRAY for 15% off today. For me, getting back out there means sprucing up my date night wardrobe, but I don't necessarily want to have a lot of extra stuff to hang on to. That's why I was happy to find out about Armoire. It's a clothing rental service, and it really takes away the stress about what to wear. For a monthly fee, members get access to high-quality designer clothing for any occasion. Just take a five-minute style quiz to get suggestions, and then pick what you want. The clothes arrive in as little as two days. One of the items I chose is a green v-neck wrap dress that works for both business and pleasure. And here's one thing I really love. Armoire is women-founded and women-led. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash gray. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash gray to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. This is Dating While Gray, the grown-up's guide to love, sex, and relationships. I'm Laura Stasi. On this episode, three stories of people who have forged strong and meaningful love connections. Though romance is not part of the equation, it's best of friends. Remember back in season three when I went swing dancing at Maryland's Glen Echo Park? I heard from a lot of Glen Echo fans after that, including an email from a woman we're calling Jane. She's in her late 60s, has been divorced more than 20 years, and she's a regular at Glen Echo. But Jane's preferred dance style is Contra. Basically, it's like square dancing. Jane told me it's easy to pick up and fun. She invited me to meet her at Glen Echo on a Thursday night. I arrived as the band was warming up. Hi, how are you? Hello. This is Laura. This is her podcast. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Jane and another big fan of contra dancing. We're calling him John. He's in his early 60s, has been married and divorced twice, and Jane wanted me to meet him because he's special to her. Balance. Slide right. On the dance floor, John and Jane took turns guiding me through the caller's instructions. With this neighbor, balance and swing. I got the hang of it, sort of. Robbins, right, go once and a half. It was a lot of fun. Pastor, new neighbor, dose 
Afterward, I asked Jane and John to talk about their relationship. John, why don't you start and I'll, and I'll add. Yeah. So, so it was it was probably spring, uh, probably maybe about, what maybe four years ago. I yeah. So I, I danced when I was younger, swing dance, all different types of dancing, and, and so after I separated you know, divorced, separated from my wife, was looking for just activities to go out and be involved, you know, in society, you know. And, and so I uh, heard about contra dancing. Actually, my oldest daughter uh, mentioned something to me about, you know, dancing at, at Glen Echo. And so I looked up on the Glen Echo page and, and there was a variety of different types of dancing, one of which was uh, there's swing dance and then and then contra dance and so you know I went to contra dances and I also went to swing dances and I met Jane at the contra dance and we became friends um, and it's been a pleasure. Well, you know, at uh, contra dancing, you do not need to come with a partner, um, but you need a partner to dance. And in the beginning, luckily, there were always more men than women. But you look around and there's a wide variety of ages and types. And John is just a nice looking, wholesome guy. And so a girlfriend and I who were at the dance together, I think we were sort of... Um, always targeting in on John because John you're also are a very good dancer and that was something else that you want to have happen is that you want to be with a good dancer and so I think in the beginning Helene and I were fighting over John in the beginning because he was a good dancer <laughs> she got everybody's phone numbers and just started doing group text. Okay, how about doing this? How about doing that? And John was really the one that always showed up. I mean, I have kayaks. And so John would, you know, show up where we're kayaking. And I love to entertain. So, you know, I've had him and his daughters over. So um, yeah, it was just sort of like a group text type of a deal. And whoever showed up, showed up. That sounds like my recollection too as far as how things evolved at the beginning of the dances people would uh, kind of mingle around and the guys would have to go out and pursue the women because they were in short supply yeah. and so quickly the guys they uh develop friendships John is a really, really nice guy. I love how he has a fabulous relationship with his daughters. I've met his daughters. Uh, I've danced with his daughters at Contra Dancing. So for me, I really didn't want to mess up Contra Dancing by anything more than just having friends there because I loved it. I just loved going and seeing the people and having such a great time. And for me, I was not going there as a way of meeting people to date. I, like John, have always danced and just love it. So for me, it was an outlet to dance. And I just wanted to keep everybody there on that level. Um, but, you you know, it was fun. It's fun, you know, flirting a little bit. I mean, it's just, you know, you just you just have fun. But for me, it was just always to to go there and have friendships and have a good time. 
Yeah, and that's that's the same for me at this point. You know, I thoroughly enjoy my friendship with some of these people that, that I've met, at, you know, at the contra dancing and would enjoy doing other things also. So maybe we'll go on maybe a trip at some point in the future or... Yeah, so. we've all talked about tr going on a trip together. And yeah, you're right. I love having a man at an event. It gives a different perspective. It gives a different vibe. And just the conversations are different than just sitting around with a group of women. I think it's healthy, too. I, I think it's very healthy, healthy to have a relationship, you know, good relationships with males and females. I sort of thought that you were in a relationship, John. Yeah, I was thrilled for you. I thought that that was great. But it turned out that it wasn't meant to be. But no, I, I don't think that it, on my end, it would not have affected it at all. I'm like, you know, more the merrier. You just want to see your friends happy. And I think that that's what we're all sort of striving for here is just to be happy and enjoy the rest of our lives. So um, it would, yeah, that would not impact our friendship at all. In fact, I think it, uh, staying friends, if I was in a relationship with another female, it would probably strengthen our bonds because I would be able to get perspectives from my female friends, which would hopefully help my relationship. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think people are missing out if they feel they cannot be friends with somebody of the opposite sex. I really do. They just bring a whole different perspective to, to life. And I think that that's something that we all can benefit from. I agree. I, I, I agree 100%. So Jane and John are quote-unquote just friends. Though it seems to me the word just implies that a friend relationship like theirs is somehow less than a romantic one. And that reminds me of a voicemail I received. Hi, Laura. This is Susan calling. I met a very nice man who I had a lot in common with, but didn't feel a romantic connection. I could tell, however, he was attracted to me. Before our third date, I thought I should say I found him very nice and interesting, but felt no spark. I asked, would you still be interested in a friend? He said he was very disappointed, but still open to friendship. What happened? Not a peep from him. I can understand he must have felt hurt, but on my end, I feel rather dejected. We were texting a lot for a few weeks, and then I was dropped like a hot potato. I asked Jane and John to weigh in. Maybe he already had a lot of uh, female friends and he was looking for something else. So, but he probably missed out. Right. So there's, yeah. there's, yeah, yeah, there's always room for more. Right. Um, so he, he probably missed out on a good real, potential relationship. I can't see turning down an opportunity to be friends with somebody that I get along with just because it didn't work out in the romance department. But John, are you giving us insight into the male brain here? So, <laughs> so on, on the on the male side, you know, there's always the enjoyment of you know other activities too. But that's not when you move into that direction, it can cause problems with the relationship, uh, and so it might or it might not. And you know, we're all we're all of an age where it's like, okay, we can just enjoy life. So if if another male goes out, you know, on a trip, 
just as friends with a female partner and they enjoy each other in, you know, in, intimate ways, it could still be a friendly relationship. Yeah. And it doesn't have to go any farther than that. That's my perspective. Mm-hmm. Would that require a conversation if, if you're going with a, somebody who's in a just friends category, but you're being sexually intimate? Is that what you're referring to when you say intimacy? Yes, I would, I would think that, yeah, there would need to be, you know, advanced conversations about, about that. Yeah, that needs to be a conversation. The expectations of both parties. Okay, we're all in agreement on that. That's great. It strikes me talking to John that generally speaking, maybe men tend to compartmentalize more. And so if they hope that you are going to be more than just friends and you say you want to be in in the friend bucket, then they don't want to put you in any bucket because they had you pegged for the more than just friends mm-hmm. bucket. And yeah, and then they're going to lose out because who who knows, maybe eventually it would go from something more from friends. But why have expectations right away when you meet somebody as to where they're going to fit into your life? I find that that's very narrow minded. Personally, I think Jane and John prove that friendships can be a fulfilling arrangement all on their own. No romantic spark necessary. So what happens when your romantic partner is also your best friend, but right as you're breaking ground for your dream home, he bails? We'll hear how one woman copes and thrives. She throws dinner parties for her true friends. That's after the break. I'm walking over to the stove in this open kitchen in this beautiful and big but still cozy house. Mmm, I wish you could have also smelled that sauce. The talented home chef is tonight's host. Let's call her Lindsay. She's 59 and she's calmly finishing with dinner prep while her nine guests enjoy wine and appetizers. It was Kaja They're all connected to Lindsay through work or their kids, though they didn't necessarily know each other before tonight. Lindsay has made these dinner gatherings a new tradition in her post-divorce life. Before the other guests arrived, Lindsay told me how these comfort meals came to be. She began by saying something that in all my interviews for this podcast, I've never heard before. We started dating our first year of law school moved here after law school and we got married a couple years later and Mm. had what I thought honestly was perfect marriage. A perfect marriage. Honestly. We were a team in all things. Um, He was a very rare person in terms of truly equal. You know, he would go to the grocery store as much as I would. He was a very equal partner in parenting our kids. He was a wonderful listener. He was empathetic. He loved my family, my mom and dad, my my siblings. I loved his and still do. And we were we were just a team and a unit. We were a unit of five that um we were happy. We never really fought. We would discuss if we had different opinions, but um and I had a I was in a line of work that was really demanding with travel and long hours. And he was so supportive and never resentful. And his parents lived in the same town where we lived. And 
they would always take the kids on Friday nights. Um, and so we would have date nights and we would go to dinner or to a movie or cook at home. And that was, you know, just winding down from the week. That was typically yeah. our night. So you made an effort to connect. We did. We did. But then out of the blue, Lindsay's husband of about 29 years said he was unhappy. They tried counseling, but after dropping their youngest off at college, he revealed that he was in love with someone else. He and Lindsay had already started building what was supposed to be their dream home. So he left. And the next week, my brother was diagnosed with cancer. And he died three weeks later. And then my father died seven weeks after that. And so there was this period of about 12 weeks <laughs> where I didn't know which end was up. And, but we were at the time, you know, building a house just seemed like the absolute last thing that should take priority. And it really didn't. I just kind of put, put it on hold, but I, it was ground had been broken. The contractors were working. I hadn't told any of them what was going on because it was so new and so fresh. But in my grieving, you know, and I was just gone a lot because I was down with my family. And finally, when the dust had settled on that, I had a meeting with my architect who was a woman. And I went to go meet with her because we would meet whenever I was in town, we would meet to talk about the next phase and the house had a garage and um, she said, you know, the next time you come, you need to bring your husband because she said, I don't mean to sound sexist, but a lot of times guys have a real strong opinion about how they want their garage to be. Mm. And, and I just looked at her and she said, what? And I said, well, there's something you need to know. Oh. And I said, he's gone. And I, I said, I'm sorry. I don't know what to do. I don't feel like I can make any decisions. And she said, you don't have to. Why don't you take a month? And just figure out if this is really what you want to do, if you want to keep going. And she said, we'll meet for coffee in a month. And so we did. And at that point, I had decided that this was my dream too. And I have worked my whole life and had lived in a way that allowed us to save and to do this. And, and so we met for coffee and I said, I want to go forward. And she said, well, then can I make one immediate design change? I said, yeah, sure. She said, can we knock down that wall between what was going to be your closet and his closet and just give you a really big closet? <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, I don't really have that much to put in it, but sure. <laughs> so oh, I love it. And then there was a time when it was my birthday and, and the house was under construction. It was almost finished, but it wasn't quite finished. And I decided I was going to throw myself a birthday party. It was a birthday party and a kind of a housewarming party, but also a gratitude party oh. um, because the people who came were people who had, I was so grateful for. She was there, of course, the architect was there, but my friends and my family and you know, people who, when you go through something like this and you know you have friends, but the support that I felt, I was just so grateful. And so that night of my birthday, you know, birthday housewarming gratitude party was one of the best, it was the first night since he had left that I remember feeling really joyful. Oh. You built this house, you had a gratitude party, mm -hmm. and you were also accustomed to having Friday night special. So tell me about the evolution <laughs> of what you call the Friday night dinner parties. Okay. So my daughter 
called me one day. She lives in New York. And she said, Mom, because she knows I love to cook. And she knew I had this house and that I loved having people over. But she said, I've just gone. Last night, I went to this dinner party. And it was so much fun. And she said, it's people that I barely knew. But I know them. And I'm, they have my email address. And she said, what they do, it's a married couple. What they do is every quarter, they send an email to pretty much everybody they know. And they say it's Friday night dinner time. And the first 10 people who respond back to the email can come to the dinner party. I said, oh my gosh, I would love to do that, but I don't even know how to go about it. She said, just make a list of the people you know and just send an email and pick some dates and just see what happens. So, I mean, I've lived here for a very long time. And so I put together a list of people, some of whom I had not seen in years like 10 years. Mm. By the time I sent out the invite list, I think it went, by the time you count couples, to over 100 people. Oh, my. And the first 10 people who respond, and I gave four different Friday nights that I was going to be doing this. And um, so people wrote me back, and people were so excited. And they would tell me what nights they could come. And then I created a spreadsheet with people's availability. Um, And then I created like a visual thing that I had where I would put post-it notes on like different days when people could come. And then I would write back and say, you're on this is your slot. Yeah, this is your (laughs) slot. And, um, and I would ask for dietary restrictions, which is one of the lessons I've learned. Uh, I tried to do probably too much early on Mm -hmm. um, in terms of accommodating all of that. Was there ever in your mind the idea, oh, this could be a way for me to meet someone? Yes. Yes, that was. And in fact, my friends would say, you need to have your friend, your single friends or even couple friends just bring somebody. But that hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. It has yet. not happened. No, it has not happened. If anybody had said I was going to be single and it will now, it'll be six years in October, I would not have been able to envision that person. Um, but I feel stronger and happier and actually a really good friend of mine, we went to dinner this summer and she said, you're a different person. Mm. And she said, I don't think that you would have been this joyful and willing to try new things and do new things and put yourself out there for new experiences like the dinner parties or travel or I mean, I've done some things that are outside of my comfort zone. And she said, I don't think you would have done that. And aren't you glad that you have? You would have never wanted this to be the reason, but you have and you're you're good and you're solid. And I am. Pre-pandemic, Lindsay hosted dinner parties every few months. The one I attended is the first she's had in a couple of years. She's hoping it's the first of many more to come. So am I. I'm not sure um, what they're all that this is good. Is this good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For better, for worse, in sickness and in health, these are some of the promises we make when we tie the knot my neighbor Suzanne did, to Tom. She's in her early 50s, and they met on a river tubing trip after college. It was organized by their alumni association. 
he was really funny. He was cracking jokes. He had a big smile on his face. He was very open and friendly. It turned out that he'd had his wisdom teeth removed the day before. <laughs> but he was like, no, no, it's all good. I'm going to go and have a party on this alumni trip. We're going to go tubing. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a great time. So he was just really, he was, we were quoting lines from funny movies and just, you know, the it was he was with two other friends of his and I was with one friend of mine and the five of us were just like joking it up all day. It was it was just really fun. He was fun to be around. Three years later, we got married. So if you can, I know it's so hard to kind of, I don't know, label things as, oh, we were happy or, oh, there was problems from the beginning. But if you can sort of give me an idea of your relationship. Um, when things were good, they were great. Uh, he was really fun to be around. He was super, super, super smart. I mean, he was very, very intelligent. And I really liked that about him. He was fun to talk to and had all kinds of really interesting ideas. Um, but he was also difficult. You know, he had a challenging upbringing, some family dynamics that were, you know, weird or whatever. And he had a lot of inner demons that didn't realize were, de you know, he had nothing to compare them to. You know, he had his nothing to compare his own experience to. In 2016, Suzanne and Tom separated. It was one of those awkward and tense splits. Tom moved out of the bedroom and into the basement while they talked about divorce and division of assets. After about a year and a half, a house right around the corner came on the market. It was the impetus needed for divorce because Tom wanted to stay close to the kids. He bought that house and moved out of Suzanne's, and their divorce became final. He was in therapy and was trying to work on some of his anger management issues. And he decided that he wanted to be friends with me. And I said, well, I don't know that I can just be friends with you. I, you know, a lot of crazy stuff has happened. He did some bad things while we were separated. And, you know, I really was not sure if we could be friends, but you know, I was willing to be friendly because obviously we have kids together. We have, you know, 30, well, not quite 30, 25 years, you know, of history together at the time. And, you know. And your neighbors. Right. Well, that too. <laughs> um, and, you know, and he wasn't a bad person. You know, it, it's not like all the good parts had gone away. They were still there. It was just there was a lot of other stuff. And I was like, I don't know if I can really be friends with you, but I'm not unfriends with you. So I was like, let's just kind of take it one day at a time and see what happens. And he would like invite me over to watch a movie at his house, like with the kids sometimes, or even without the kids. He was like, if you want to just come over and hang out. I was like, mm, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm really comfortable with that. But, you know, we like, we went out to dinner once and we, you know, just sort of hung out a little bit. And I was like, this is okay. And he actually at one point asked if I wanted to get back together, if I would consider it. And I said, no, I'm, I'm not. That ship has sailed. And he was like, okay, you know, I understand. I'm sorry to hear it, but, you know, I understand. And, and he, he had made a lot of progress with the therapy. And so things were kind of at an equilibrium, if you will. So your divorce was in 2018. Right. Then something happened. So Tom started smoking at a young age. And in the fall, right around Thanksgiving or so of 2020, he got pneumonia again. And at first didn't tell me about it, but then I 
heard through the kids, I guess they mentioned it or, or something. And obviously it was in the midst of the COVID pandemic. And so treatment was slow for, th- you know, getting appointments and things was difficult. But eventually, you know, he got scans done and stuff and they discovered a mass in his left lung. I actually had breast cancer in 2010. Oh, I'm sorry. And so I had, both of my parents had also had cancer. My dad had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and my mom had breast cancer two years before I did. So, you know, I had experience with going through the cancer process and, you know, what it entails. And so the fact that you had cancer, that, I mean, I dislike smoking as well. And I can see where it would be annoying and frustrating. But the fact that you were a cancer survivor, being around a smoker, that must have magnified. It it all, it was bad. I mean, it was just something, and you know, like I said, I could never marry a man who smoked. And yet here I was married to a man who smoked. And I was like, well, how did this happen? Yeah. He called me or I called him, whatever. And I said, I know you were having some tests done. Have you heard the results? And he told me, and um, he was planning to get treated at one local hospital. And I said, well, this other local hospital is better for cancer treatment. I recommend that you go to this other one instead. And he said, I'm really bad at managing all these things. You know, in our marriage, I had done all the paperwork, all the bills, all the everything. He was not good at logistics and not good at daily minutiae. Um, so I had handled all that. He said, you're so good at all that stuff. Will you come with me to the appointments? Cause they're going to say stuff and I'm not going to know what they mean. And, you know, having to keep track of all the appointments and stuff is going to be really hard for me. Will you come with me? And I said, okay, because what am I going to say? You know, I couldn't say no, you know, screw yourself. You know, you're on your own. How much of this were you doing for yourself? How much of you, if it was for him or how much of it was for your kids? Um, I don't know. I mean, I just, I mean, part of it was obviously for the kids. I mean, he's their dad and I didn't feel like I could say to them, you know, your dad's sick, but I'm not going to help. I mean, that just doesn't, couldn't do that. But I mean, also just for my relationship with him over the years. I mean, he he really didn't have a lot of other friends. He wasn't close to his brothers and sisters. You know, he knew a lot of people, but he was not great about keeping in touch with them and didn't want to, like, start calling people up and saying, hey, I'm sick, come help me. So he didn't have a network of people that he could really rely on. And I didn't feel like I could just wash my hands and walk away. It, you know, it gradually got worse. I mean, he was, he was fairly stable. He had, you know, shortness of breath, but it was manageable. And he had this pain in his shoulder. But again, we, we started seeing a pain management specialist and that was, you know, more or less under control. And you're saying we, so did you help him find these, like the nutritionists yeah, yeah, and all the yeah, specialists? All the... So you helped him find them. You were his partner in this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering... Did you have legal documentation or did you ever feel like you needed legal documentation in place during this? Last year after he was diagnosed, I have a lawyer that I was using, you know, that my mom had used to write her will and set up a trust. And so I had used him to set up a will and a trust for me. And I said, if you'd like, I can help you get in touch with him. And so he set up a will and a trust for the kids. And I am his executor and I had medical power of attorney and the trustee for the trust and all that. We had all those documents made up last year. 
I don't know why all of a sudden it makes me really sad. I mean, or emotional because, oh. Yep. It was really hard. It was really hard. But I mean, who else was going to do it? I didn't have any choice. I mean, I, I couldn't do anything else. I would say that you did have a choice and you chose. I mean, honestly, it was an act of love for your kids. None of this was supposed to happen. We weren't supposed to get divorced. We were supposed to stay married forever because that's what you do. Right. And when we went into it, that was the plan. You know, we didn't go in thinking, oh, we'll be married for a while and then we'll split up. You know, we thought that this was going to be forever. So that didn't go as planned. And then he wasn't supposed to get sick and he wasn't supposed to die. But that didn't work out that way either. Yeah. So, but, you know, I, I don't know. There's nothing that I think I could have done differently given the universe that I'm in. Tom died in the summertime. He was 59 years old. And boy, that story gets to me because it strikes me that Suzanne did keep the promises she made to Tom on their wedding day, even though the marriage itself didn't last. And that different kind of love enabled Suzanne to be Tom's source of strength, his best friend. Feels to me like that's an especially powerful love. Dating While Gray is produced in partnership with North Carolina Public Radio. For more on the show, check out datingwhilegray.com. That's also where you can find links for sending voicemails and emails. I'd love to hear from you. I'm Laura Stasi. Thanks for listening. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.